News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio, where you want it, when you want it. Welcome to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Jill Van Dyven. Good morning, Jill. Good morning. And Rick this morning is on a little, getting a little R&R up in, the, up in the woods in a cabin somewhere. So Rick is joining us by phone. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Jay and Jill. Glad to have you on the show. We miss you. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you up to? You're, gonna, you're with some friends just having a good time, right? Yeah, just up at the Emma Lake and just had a great time yesterday here and spend the day here and then go back tomorrow and pour a whole whack of concrete yeah. around the yard. So That is so exciting. Rick's hobby is work, so uh, yeah. that's what he tends to do. He gets home and he hops into that skid steer and he moves soil around and he digs holes and he plants trees. And I remember just a few days ago, I drove up to the yard and there's dad sitting at the end of the driveway, cross-legged on the ground. And what's he doing? He's putting more irrigation pipes in and he's just always doing something out there. Well, you, you guys have got a pool going in, right, Rick? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we're doing doing uh doing about uh I think we got about three, four pours to do this week. So wow. we call it the grandkids special that he's doing out there. Yeah. You move to the lake, yeah. you put a pool in, and then your grandkids never leave. Yeah, that's I, right. I, I have to get the concrete around because I can't keep the kids out of the pool already, so <laughs> And it's just mud around there, so it's <laughs> yeah. not great. Okay, welcome to Garden Talk, one 332 8255 Of course, we want you to join the conversation. Is there something going wrong with your yard right now, something you want to talk about? Garden, shrubs, trees, lawn, flowers, we cover it all here, of course. we got Rick and Jill, the experts, to give you the best information we can get you uh, to help with what's going on. So you can always join that conversation. Text or call the same number, one 332 8255 How's things up there looking, Rick, in terms of, like, trees? And is it is it is there moisture around? Is it dry? No, lots of moisture up here. It's, it's quite incredible. It's... Uh... It, things are green, so it's nice to see up north. It's not dry, and uh, you haven't heard about very many forest fires in northern Saskatchewan. So um, it's it's yeah, it, it's good to see everything looks the grass in the ditches. Everything's nice and lush and green. You know, knock on wood, but we really haven't had a terribly smoky day this summer. No, we haven't. And and there's been so many summers in a row where we've been smoked out. You know, the beginning half yeah. of the summer was decent, and then <laughs> you know we'd spend weeks in the haze. And yep. that's not happening this year, which is, is beautiful to see. Yeah, yep. I was even in Kelowna a couple of weeks ago, and uh, usually you go to Kelowna in August, and you're usually in a haze and nothing. So mm, that's awesome, it's been awesome, fantastic. All right, let's get to the text line. We've got a couple of calls I think coming in here shortly. We'll we'll start with the text. At least a few early birds have gotten in. Donna in Saskatoon, Saskatoon says, "Good morning. We're planting three globe cedars in a four foot strip between two driveways." Then topping the patch with gravel, so they won't gravel over top of them. How deep and wide do we make the holes to fill with topsoil? Anything else? Do we put an edging around the shrubs to hold the soil in? It's in Brighton, so there's lots of clay. That's a new part of the town in Saskatoon, new area. Yeah. yeah so if you just if you're you're going to be between the two driveways, he says four feet, right? Correct? Yeah, Is that, that what he said? That's right. So yeah. I mean, you basically got this clay and gravel there between that area right now. So it's like a trough. Uh, like they have they have two paved. Yeah. You know, they're all concrete driveways so, in Brighton. And it's been dug out to probably put concrete in too. So. Right. Yeah. So put as much topsoil as you can. You should have. Make your, you'll see the container, whatever size container you get, the pot the, the tree comes into. 
Yep. You want to make that it, in that type of area, you would like to put, oh, at least, at least three times wider than the pot. Okay. And well, maybe go one time deeper just to backfill with some good soil and then plant it yeah. at the same yeah. height. Yeah, planted the same height as what is going to be the the final grade, and then with the topping less less whatever you're going to put the gravel right, so the the gravel doesn't. Uh, um, you want to put you know, I imagine they want to put some gravel or something around the tree itself. Uh, I would suggest don't put landscape fabric right up to the tree itself. Just put the rocks right on top of the topsoil. It gives it a better chance to to the soil to dry out because that spot in between the, those two driveways. If you put landscape fabric right up to the plant, it's going to take forever to dry out because that's where everybody's going to be. You know, all the water probably from the eaves trough is going to go down that spot as well. Right. Yep. And so, um, and so, try to. You, you, that's why you don't want to plant too deep. You want this. You want it to be as high as you can so the water keeps going to the street and does not does not just fill up those those holes that you dig, which is like a like a bowl in the clay. And you won't even know it. It'll fill up from the bottom up because the water will go through your nice soft topsoil and right to the bottom of the hole and then and then not there. dissipate anywhere. Just sit there. So make sure you're checking all the time with a piece of rebar right down to the bottom of the planting hole. And if you have to aerate your soil, if it's wet down there, aerate it with a piece of rebar so that you get oxygen down to the soil. And it's probably a good idea with those downspouts if they go right into that bed, maybe to extend them longer to past your driveway so they go right down to the street, I would yeah. say. Or bury, bury beside the plants uh, a piece of weeping tile so that the water dumps into a piece of weeping tile and then it comes out of the ground again at, at the street side. That's a good idea, too. Yeah. I had a driveway poured. It was pretty exciting that I actually got a driveway this year. It took a little <laughs> while. We got a driveway poured. But that was what my, my concrete artist uh, did is we have weeping tile goes right from the downspout underneath the driveway, pops up at the very end, and, and dumps out onto the street. So I don't have any puddles of ice, you know, forming on top mm-hmm. of the driveway. But you can use the same idea for uh, Donna's idea with with this, you know, cedar strip, basically, mm-hmm. just to kind of push it away, keep the yep. water going. Yep. Okay, so Donna, hope that helps you answer your question. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We are going to go to the phone lines now because we've got people who are waiting. So Paul, Al, hang on. We're going to go to uh, Macklin to talk to Nadina first. Good morning. Good morning. You got a question about a lily, is that correct? Yes, I've got those calla lilies, and they didn't bloom for me last year. They didn't bloom for me this year. I plant the bulbs. I've got about three in a pot, and I've got three pots. The lovely green leaves, but no flowers. Okay. Um, what kind of sunlight exposure are you giving them? Lots. Lots of exposure. Yeah. Um, calla lilies, they might actually just be getting, the pot might be getting too hot um, with lots of exposure. Are they the cannas or the callas? Callas. Oh, the callas. Okay, yeah. So callas do best in more of an east exposure, I find. A hot west or a south exposure is just too hot for them. Okay. Um, so maybe try and put them a little bit more into a slightly shaded location okay, next time. Okay, okay. I, I, I see what you're telling me. Okay, I know where to put them now. Okay. I think I probably had them in too much sun, but I thought they liked that. Yeah, they, they like the warm heat when they're getting going, but in the summer season, um, I find that the heat, it doesn't it doesn't allow them to, to thrive at their best. And then when you oh. plant them, you want to use like a bone meal or something like that in the soil with them to plant them up and then um, and then what you also want to do is just make sure you're fertilizing them regularly you can just use a 20 20 20 or an all-purpose fertilizer about once every two weeks for okay. this and then that should get them going and blooming for you can you put three bulbs in a pot or f- you or definitely can I usually would put about a hand's width in between each bulb okay 
Okay. Well, I'll try to see what happens with them next year. Okay, awesome. Let- Make sure you let them go dormant, put them into some cold storage for the winter season, yes. and bring yes. them up in yes. January, February again. All right. Well, very give it, good. Give us a call next uh, next year. And we'll, what they're doing. Okay. Yeah, give us an update. Thank you very much. All right, take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I think I think we're gonna take a quick break. So Al, Paul, thanks for your patience. We're gonna get to your calls as soon as we get back. We've got texts that are rolling in from Kathy in Battleford, Julie as well in Battleford, Marilyn in Saskatoon, Steve in Regina. So from all across the entire province, use that number one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We'll be back right back on Garden Talk on six fifty CKOM and nine eighty CJME. No shortage of things to talk about here on Garden Talk today. Welcome to the show. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Rick's on the phone with us this morning. And are we ready to go, Rick? We've got lots of calls here. You ready to go? All right. So next, waiting the longest. And thanks to everybody who's holding on in Saskatoon. Paul is here to join us. Good morning, Paul. Morning, you guys. How are you? Good. Lots of rain last night. Had a hailstorm out here. Really? Which part of Saskatoon? Yeah. Which area? Oh, Pike Lake area. Oh, Pike Lake. Okay. Really? Wow. Yeah. yeah, I think there was lots of lots of rain south of town on Friday, but uh, just a little bit last night. Yeah, well, my question is uh, today, um, I, I guess I've kind of lost my battle with the aphids in my greenhouse. They've, uh, they've taken over, and uh, although I have a really healthy crop, I'm just wondering... Um, is that, can I reuse my dirt again next year? Yeah, you definitely can, especially if your dirt is going to be going through a hard freeze, you can reuse it. Um, but I would suggest spraying your crop with maybe just an end all spray, um, something that's going to, with something with pyrethrin that's just going to get those aphids, just knock those numbers down a little bit for you. Um, also, if you could get some ladybugs into your, into your um, greenhouse or even some praying mantis next season, those will help a lot with the aphids. Oh, I've been pulling um, the um, uh, ladybugs off my apple trees and putting them in there. There's lots of them, but, you know, it's a perfect environment for aphids in a greenhouse. Mm-hmm, it sure um, is. So, uh, and I've been battling them with water, spraying them with cold water. I didn't like to use chemicals because I did have the, have the ladybugs in there. Mm-hmm. But uh, they, they pretty much, um, they're, they're out of control now. And it's at the end of the season, so I, I just wanted to make sure I could reuse that, uh, that, well, it's a BX mix. And, you know, I spent over a couple hundred dollars on the BX, so I was just hoping to be able to reuse it again next year. Yeah, you should be able to. Um, just just, just, make, make, just leave it out in the greenhouse, let it freeze over. Rick, do you have any comments for that? Yeah, just make sure that you, the, the, in the fall, the aphids will lay eggs, okay? So just make sure you pull any debris out there because they'll lay eggs on the debris. You know, like on the, you know, if you have peppers in there, any pepper branches, in there, and when you take them out, be very careful that when you take them out, that you're not, you know, yanking them out and swinging them around, everything else dropping, you know, whatever around. So just carefully take all your debris out of the greenhouse so that you don't leaving any eggs behind. Yeah, because I cut the plants off the stems, yeah. and then uh, I get those in a bag. I'll take those in a bag and take them to the take them to the dump. Perfect. Okay. Hey, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate okay. it, Paul. Take care. Take Good luck. Take care, Paul. Yeah, thanks. Bye. one 877 We're going to go to Regina right now and talk about an apple tree with Al. Good morning, Al. 
Good morning. How are you doing today? We're good. Thanks very much. Okay, listen. Uh, I've got several. Uh, I've got pembina uh, uh, plums and uh, good uh, pembina and uh, uh, the other type of plum to match. I've got apple trees where the branches are getting pretty gnarly, like uh, the uh, the Honeycrisp, the Goodland, uh, some other pear trees, the Big John pear tree. I've got to do a pruning. Would it be best to do the pruning now this fall, later on in the fall, once all the stuff is off, because the branches are getting pretty gnarly, or should I wait toward the middle of winter or toward spring? No, just wait. As soon as the leaves start changing color in the fall, so basically the middle to the end of October, right through November, you can do it, or otherwise you can do it in March or the first week of April. Okay, I'll tell you why, because you know what? My uh, my Honeycrisp apples, uh, <laughs> Rick, you wouldn't believe it. The, the branches are hanging right down to the lawn. And the good lad in the back corner, the branches, I got apples coming out of my yin-yang. <laughs> you know, the, the pear tree and the front tree is doing very well, but i gotta get a, I gotta, gotta get a good pruning. Yep, yep. So wait till Always leave the center through. one, right? Just Always leave the center branch going yep. up. Leave is that right? Yeah, just tri- when you do trimming, I-, I like to leave that thinner branch up there, but trim any little side branches good, really yeah. good. And then you're pl- let let uh, rather than cut the whole what I don't rather than just cut the top off flat. Oh, no, 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 I won't. Oh, I, I, I I'll never do that because I know that from experience from before. Yeah. But okay. the other stuff is, is, and you know what uh, that that being a plum, you should see the plums we got this year. But the wind really knocked off a lot of the blooms. But those plums are awesome. Good. Perfect. Well, thanks very much, Al, for your call today. We'll take more coming up here shortly. Uh, we've got texts that are rolling in as well, so stick around for more of that. Let's go to our next text. Let's see who's been waiting the longest here. I think it is Dave, who is in Saskatoon right now. Dave wants to talk about some fruit trees, too. Good morning, Dave. Uh, good morning. So what's your question for us? Um, I have a, um, a Saskatoon bush that uh, uh, it uh, I had th- quite a few berries on it this uh, this year, but uh, there's a lot of little side, uh, I guess, branches that uh, have kind of died on it. I'm just wondering if I should prune that really back this fall. Yeah, you can do that. Turn it back. Most Saskatoons will grow around up to 12 feet, up to 12 feet tall. You can cut her break back to six feet tall if you want and just let it grow back again. That'll be fine. Do that this fall. There again, once the leaves start getting a couple of good frosts on them, then you can start trimming them. Okay. And the other one, I, I had a little trouble with a, an apple tree I'd uh, transplanted. It's a honey crisp. And the, about two feet of the top, uh, the leaves died. And... Uh, um, but the lower lower branches uh, had uh, nice green leaves on them. Uh, yep. Do I have to trim that back, or it, what you do is you can scrape the bark. If the bark is still green underneath, it may come back next spring. If it's brown underneath the bark, then just trim it off up down towards green again. Oh, okay, super. Okay. Good. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Dave. Thanks a lot. Take care. one 8255 I think we got a time for some more here. So let's go to the next one. Wait the longest on our phone lines. Uh, we're going to go to Assiniboia right now and talk to Scott. Scott's out there. Grasshoppers, right, Scott? Yeah. Can you hear me? You bet. You bet we can. Yeah. What's your question for us? Well, uh, I have some two, three, four-year-old spruce trees, and the grasshoppers have moved in on them. So I'm spraying corrigin, uh insecticide on them. But my question was, is it too early to put burlap around them? I usually put burlap around them 
for the first couple of years in the winter. Is it too early for that, or, or what other options do I have? Yeah, it's a bit early. Are you just doing that to protect them from the grasshoppers, or what? Yes. Because uh, the problem with that is that gonna, the grasshoppers are going to get underneath that, so that's not really going to... They'll be able to crawl underneath that because you're not going to be able to cover them right up tight to the ground, you know? Because yeah. I like leaving my burlap. I like leaving my burlap at least six inches off the ground so that the snow covers the roots, uh, okay, of the tree. Um, so, but it is a bit early. I don't like covering them up right now. Uh, I like I don't like covering them up in, until until at least November because the, the time is when they're going to get the the, the problem going to be in in March is where they get the burning, okay? And right. uh, or if you get a Chinook in February, but uh, yeah. so right now it's yeah it's just way too early to cover them up yet. So the the spruce trees that have been eaten down to basically all the needles off, is there any chance of them coming back next year or are oh, they yeah. going to be? Yeah, your 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 crossy your your buds will probably be still good there. Your terminal buds for next year, uh, because they would have been hard and brown right now, and the 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 grasshoppers shouldn't have eaten those, and those will push out new growth next year. Not a problem. Okay, yeah, they've uh, they've really really attacked them here, so uh, it's crazy. That's it's crazy. crazy. They, they must be hungry because normally they don't go after the spruces as bad. They'll go after the green tree plants first, the leafy trees, before they go after the spruces. So the, your, your grasshoppers are really hungry. Yeah, they sure are. Okay, well, thanks. I love the show, guys. Oh, thanks okay. very much, Scott. Have a great day. Take care. one 332 8255 Bev, Wayne, and Dave. Hang on, guys. We're going to get to your calls as soon as we can, but we're going to take a quick break here coming up shortly. We've got a minute, so I think we're going to get a text in. And this one is from Kathy near Battle. Good morning. She says, I'm so grateful for the show. Thank you for all your help, expertise over the years. It's greatly appreciated. That's very nice of you. Thanks, Kathy. We have beautiful corn. However, some of the cobs have what it looks like a corn bore or worm. There are, there's a big, fat, white worms as well and, and brown, thin worms drilling through the corn. What would you suggest we do to take care of this problem for now or even next year? Thanks for the help. Yeah, the biggest thing you want to do right now, because once they come out of the corn, they go back in the ground and pupate again, right? So if you've got that problem, you're best to harvest even the stalks in the corn and get them out of the yard so they don't start the cycle all over again for next year. So it's, it's and bag it up and get it out. Bag it up and get it out and do that now, uh, because otherwise if you leave them for a little bit longer, they're going to go out of the corn into the ground again and then pupate and start the whole cycle over again. Is there something she should lay on the ground maybe so that they don't um, go into the ground? Is, would that help as well, putting a cover on the ground at all? Uh, not really because they're gonna, we're going to find a way they can get into the ground to do their pupating. So the best way to do it is just get them out of the garden completely. Okay. okay. So for Kathy, looks like we're going to lose the crop this year. You're going to have to go to the farmer's market for your corn cobs, but uh, yep. hopefully that'll help for next year. Okay. Yep. Let's take a quick break. We've got a news update coming up for everybody right now. And then... More Garden Talk kicks off right after that. Stick around. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Thanks for joining us on Garden Talk. Hope you're enjoying your Sunday. Where we are, it's a little cloudy, a little gray. We had a little bit of rain yesterday. But you know what? It's not going to be bad. There's a pretty good forecast coming up. More hot weather. I can't believe it. Rick, we're going to see like temperatures back into the 30s again, possibly this week. And it's, you know, the end of August. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, Monday wow. 26, Tuesday 31, Wednesday 33. Right? Like, wow. This great time that we can get our container flowers and that looking good. Just remember that you're going to, you're with all this heat, you're watering lots. So make sure you still have lots of time to enjoy them. So make sure you're still fertilizing. 
those container plants so that they just so they'll just still looking really good because otherwise they'll run out of energy in that soil because it'll be all roots by now, right? Not yep. much, not much soil left. So make sure that you're still adding your fertilizer, liquid fertilizer, in with your watering every once in a while, and then the plants will look good right up until until the, this weather breaks and then it changes all to fall. Now, one thing that's starting to come out is the fall mums as well, too. So we're starting to see those. And in my container, I'm probably going to be starting to stick my fall mums and changing on my container starting next week because, like you said, plants need water, especially in this heat. And I went away for a week and some of my plants did not survive on my front step. So I have like the front looking good and then the back, there's a little bit of a hole. So I might stick some grasses in the back and maybe pop a little mum in there and sort of start slowly transitioning into fall. So people can start doing that if you don't give up in your containers yet. Keep fertilizing them, keep watering them, and then just pick one of those little fall mums up or some flowering kale or something like that that's going to extend to the season. And then when the other plants pop away, you can just throw a pumpkin in. Perfect. All right, let's go to the text line. We got that coming up right away. The phone lines are just about jammed here. Kathy, Bev, Wayne, Dave, a whole bunch of people waiting patiently. So let's see who's waiting the longest. I think we're going to go to Regina right now to keep the phones going and talk to Wayne about a raspberry bush. Good morning, Wayne. Good morning, guys. How are, how's everybody? <laughs> Pretty good. Great. Uh, absolutely love your show. I, I should phone in more often, but uh, it, anyhow, um, two years ago, just about to the, to the day, uh, my neighbor gave me a yellow raspberry bush, and I phoned and asked for some advice how to, you know, best to dig it out and, and retransplant it, and it looks dead. It, like, does it take one or two years for it to come around, or is it nope. gone? Sorry, what time of the year did you transplant it? September, uh, two okay. years ago. Okay, yeah, and, and there's nothing coming from it right now at all. No, there, it, it's it's all dead. I, I I trimmed it about I don't know eight ten inches off the ground when when we did transplant it uh, two years ago in September. Yeah, and I took I took a good portion of uh, earth with it just so I didn't uh, you know yep. really have uh, you know have had as much yeah. roots as possible and uh yeah it, it sounds like i didn't make the transplant you know what you're better to okay. do is you'll you have to do it again and then but next time i would so it should just do it in april as soon as the frost out of the ground okay that might might be a better time for you because this seemed like in that spot we had it just didn't make the winter transplant okay yeah so, so this so is a, a, a yellow raspberry are they pretty common or not yep yep there's it's called oh, okay. one it's called fall fall golden and there's another one called honey queen the one that you'll okay. see mostly around is called Fall Gold, and yeah, they're a popular one. They're good tasting. We I had them out in the fields, and my my crew that used to go out and do all the weeding and everything else, that's where they used to always hang out, is at the gold raspberries, not the ra- red raspberries. They hung out at the gold raspberries. They loved them. Yeah, they, they, are, they are scrumptious, let me tell you. Yeah, Absolutely. So... Um, I was going to ask Rick, what about what about just buying a new plant and putting it in right now? Would that pot be possible? Yeah, if one that that's in a pot right now, if you can find it, it'll be okay because it, it'll be there's no transplant shock. You're going right from a pot right into the ground. But if you're going to actually dig one up out of the ground and move it from one patch to another pa- place where you want to grow it, then I'd suggest do it in April as soon as the frost out of the ground in spring. Okay, do, do you got time for one more quick one? Oh sure, yeah. Okay, um, I got some hens and chicks, and, and they're absolutely gorgeous. It's probably two feet round, right, this this clump of, of uh, hens and chicks. That's big. And Beautiful. It developed, it, it, yeah, it, it, it's, I've never seen it before. It, it's absolutely stunning. It, it's actually got like a, a palm tree growing out of the middle. 
Okay. Um, it's probably two inches round. It's it's a fairly thick stalk or whatever. Yeah. And it's got that that's the seeds on it, correct? That's the flower spike that it's sent up. Yes. So. Okay. Um, are they supposed to bloom or not? They will get little blooms on them, but the blooms on hens and chicks, aren't they're not really known for their blooms. You can just cut that off. Um, hens oh. and chicks will usually spread, not necessarily by seed, but they'll send out little shoots and little little babies. Um, that's okay. little chicks, right? And that's how they will kind of spread. So um, you can just cut that down and then more energy will go back into the plant. Perfect. Because, you know, they, I, I'm not sure how they got there. But it's absolutely a, a beautiful, and they're probably a weed, aren't they? Um, hens and chicks, they will continue to spread, but a, a definition of a perennial weed is anything that you don't want to be in an area. So if you're enjoying them, then uh, it's not a weed. Away. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much. Truly enjoy your show, and uh, I hope it continues for another 25, 30 years. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, so too. That's thank fantastic. You. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you. All right. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We gotta keep going with a couple of calls here. We've got some time for more. Very nice for him to say that. Uh I think waiting the longest is Bev, who's in Regina right now. Good morning, Bev. Hi. Hi there. We're gonna talk about mushrooms, right? Yeah, I'm calling on behalf of my mom. She's got a small garden about twenty feet by fifteen feet in her backyard. And for years her parent or her uh She's been dumping the dirt from her planters in the fall in, into the into the garden just to add to the dirt and sort of replenish nutrients or whatever. But last year and this year, there are mushrooms growing all over, like just solid mushrooms, and the whole garden smells sour. Like the dirt just smells sour out there, and we're just wondering if, if we've done something wrong. No, you, you, what you have now is just you have from doing that so much, you have just a, a huge buildup of of a, of a compost in your garden, and that's what oh. those mushrooms. That's what those mushrooms are feeding on. So I'd suggest just give your garden a, a rest from putting those that compost into it. You have lots in there now, and yeah. uh, and so just give it a rest. Don't don't do it for the next couple of years. Could she use some compost accelerator in there as well? Yeah, if she wanted to, she could use some compost accelerator. But I think that uh, just working your soil this fall and then working it in the spring, uh, that'll be enough to, to turn it that, that you'll be okay next year. I'm thinking what probably happens is that there's lots of roots that end up with those, you know, previous plants in the potter, the potters, right? The pot. It, it, Exactly, and all yeah. those roots kind of come every year. The bottoms of all the the flowers that are in the in the pots, and it's just added up now, right? Yeah, and then you have a wet spring combined with that, and you have all all that organic uh, matter, and that's perfect environment for those mushrooms to grow. Well, thank you very much. Appreciate it, Bev. Thanks a lot. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's squeeze one more in before we go to our break because we got people who have been waiting quite a while. We're going to go to White Fox out uh, Nipawin Way, sort of thing, and talk to Dave. Hi, Dave. Hey. What's your question for us? I have a prairie sun apple, about a foot and a half off the ground. The bark is turning black and white. Will I lose that uh, top part off as time goes on? And what is it? Yeah, there's there's two things that could be, and it's hard to tell from what you're just saying, because black could mean either sun skull, or black could also mean another stage of fire blight, okay? Have you noticed any leaves, what have, anything changing with the leaves this summer at all? Not yet, no. So did you, did you notice at any time, even after they finished blooming and that, was any of the leaves turning a rusty brown? Never noticed, no. Okay, so you probably did, it's probably, you, you know, fire blight, you'd see some rusty brown leaves. Okay, they would have been, they would have drooped and they would turn rusty brown. 
so if you don't have that, you probably got a sun skull or you had what could happen too is that if you would have pruned a, a, a branch off your tr- off the side of the, of the tree and if you didn't prune it properly, you left a stub or if you cut it too close to the trunk, sometimes what will happen is that that, that uh, branch that you cut off will rot right inside the main trunk of the tree and then you'll cause a rot around there and then what will happen is you'll turn black because of the sap oozing out of those areas and oxidizing, okay? And then that's the oxidizing uh, sap that turns black, and that's why it looks so black and it looks so wet around there. So it's not a fungus then? It's probably not a fungus, but what happens if it does grow inside of the trunk, like I was saying, it will rot the inside and then eventually it will weaken the tree and the tree will just die on the inside, from the inside out. So nothing can be done? Nothing can be done. I would just suggest you clean up that area if it's if it's oozing around there and see if there's any rotten wood. Clean it up with a with a with a knife or a chisel if you see a really rotten wood and not solid wood. And then once you clean it up really well, just uh, let it dry for about a week and then put some pruning paint on it. Oh, okay. And Rick, okay. if it's not oozing and it's just sun scald, what should he do to protect it, it? Just put a put a tree wrap around it for the winter time only. From, from basically the end of October until the 1st of May. And it's a white tree wrap. You can spiral it around the trunk for, from the ground up to where the first branches are. Okay. That help you out, Dave? Hope, hopefully it does there. Bye. All right, take care. one 332 8255 All right, we're going to get to Kathy's call in a bit. We're talking about those worms in the corn one more time. We'll get to a bit more of those details. We've got texts here from Julie, as well as Marilyn, and a few others, Steve, Ann and Swift Current, John and Vonda. So lots coming up your way. Stick around. one 332 8255 to join Garden Talk here at 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. for joining us here in Garden Talk, 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Lots more fun to come. A second hour is on the way as well. Rick is here with us. Jill is here with us, of course. And Rick is joining us from the phone today. We've got text to get to. You know, one more call on deck right now we're going to answer, and then we'll get to that text line. I know everybody who's been texting us has been waiting patiently. So let's go to Battleford right now and talk to Kathy. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. Thank you so much for <clears throat> taking my call. Oh, yeah, you bet. <laughs> This corn is beautiful this year, but I've had some random cobs with the corn borer, I believe. I just want to clarify. So do I just go and the corn is ready and and pick what I can, what's good, and then discard all the rest? Or do you suggest that I just take the whole crop, like you said, away and... And destroy it all. You could definitely take the the corn off that's good and uh, just open it up and check for worms. And it's definitely would still be good to eat. You just want to get rid of any of the old stalks and old cobs that maybe aren't ripe later, just in case they have some of those worms in there that are going to turn into larvae and lay for next year. And what happens then if the worms, they fall into the ground? Because yesterday I took some to a dinner. And there was about three out of a dozen that had this worm in, and I didn't have time, so I just put it on the ground. Now those worms will be in the ground, correct? That's correct, and then the cycle will continue. You can also spray with um, with ambush um, earlier on in the season, too. Um, just make sure you watch your times before harvest, because that pyrethrin in that will, will definitely kill those worms, too. Yeah. Okay, so just put it on before the tassel stage kind of thing, the ambush, well, or... Uh, 
Go ahead, Rick. Yeah, that's a that's a tough one because you have to get them when the when the flies come out of the ground and lay and lay their eggs and then they hatch and go into the into mm-hmm. the corn. So heating them is is you have to almost spray almost every ten days. Um, so you have to watch for that and and because it's really hard for the boar to to really time them to get them at the right time. But you can do it, yes. And where do they come from? Can I ask you, like, where do these worms come from when I've never had them before? Yeah, they, they just spread from other people that had the corn borers, so they just move around with the wind. Once the fly comes out of the ground and then just goes lays eggs, it's depending where he flies to and, and lands and which way the wind is going. All right. Thank you very, very much, and thank you again. Yeah, thank you. good luck with that. Take care, Kathy. one 332 8255 Let's go to the text line here real quick and get one of these in. So this is from Julie, who is in Battleford. Petunias are infested. I don't know what it is. Not a flea beetle or an aphid. It's about a one-sixteenth of an inch long, cream-colored, looks like a tiny little line. They prefer the blossoms and also have found them crawling all over the deck railings. Insecticidal soap slows them down. Have lost 24 pots of petunias, but concerned of, uh, concerned about them now showing up in tomatoes over winter and that pest problem continuing next year. So kind of a challenge here. What do you guys think? Well, it could be a few things. It could be either thrips that she has or it could be white fly as well that's eating her petunias. Rick, do you have any, any ideas of what that it, might be? It sounds like a thrip. It, that, that's what I would think it is. And thrips will usually take all the color out of your petunias and also the leaves. Um, it does also like plants like petunias, verbena, and a few other plants. Um, spraying with Endol will definitely keep those numbers down. Um, I'm working on trying to get some, uh, some beneficial insects that will help with thrip control as well for next season too. So we can start putting those in the pots um, with our plants. You'll see those sachets that come in your hanging baskets and some of your annuals. And those sachets actually have bugs that actually, that will kill thrips. And so we're constantly combating them in the greenhouse as well too, um, and trying to keep them at bay. And we're starting to use beneficial insects to do that. Okay, so hopefully, Julie, that's going to help you. We can maybe find something next year that's going to yeah. take care of that, right? For now, keep your plant nice and healthy. Give it some pruning, fertilizer often. And if you keep your plant healthy, um, water it. Um, consistent watering is the biggest key to keeping those thrips at bay. Okay, we got two minutes here, so just enough time, I think, to get Cheryl's call in Regina. Hi, Cheryl. Hello, are you there? Okay, Cheryl's not quite listening at the at the moment, so we'll hopefully get her back on in a second here. Marilyn from Saskatoon. This is the text line, by the way. Wondering if well water at our cabin would cause our plants to have a light green color uh, when at the beginning of the season they were a dark green color. Well water. Um, well water shouldn't do that. The only thing is, is if it has maybe... Rick, do you have any comments on the well water? I know you have more experience um, being on well, an acreage. Yeah, the, the well water, depending on, on the well water, there's so many different types of water. Some are high in iron content, some are high in magnesium. So it really what you want to do is you should have your water well. If you're using the water well, just have it tested first. Uh, but the best thing to do, if you're having trouble with your well water, just make sure you collect rainwater, use snow water in the wintertime. Uh, that's the best way to, to, to if you're going to use the water for that way is uh, if you for plants especially uh, rather than using the well water if it has some high concentrations of some minerals. You know what I'm thinking too is that if you got plants that are planted early in the spring or you know in the early part of the season, they all grew up in greenhouses, fed all kinds of nutrients and given all kinds of fertilizer. You put them yep. out there and then they're just given water, right? 
Well, that tends to happen, right? Where yeah, the, we need they to fertilize lose, them too. When you don't fertilize them enough, they lose that dark green. They kind of get light green. They kind of go yep. gross on you, right? So that yep. might be a thing too. Is just well, maybe the water's fine. Just gotta get the fertilizer, keep it going yep. throughout the season, right? And you can always add some more iron, and that will help green up your plants too. Right. So adding some iron chelate into your into your water can help as well. And Rick, we were also finding that um, adding aluminum sulfate was was helping with bringing up nutrients if they if the pH was off as well too. Especially if you have a lot of water, so you have, if you don't know what the pH of the water is, then yeah, that's a problem. They just won't take up nutrients if the pH is too high. Exactly. Okay, let's take a quick, quick break right now, guys. News update for everybody. The second hour Garden Talk kicks off right after this. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Here we go, hour number two, Garden Talk. I'm Jay Thomas with Jill and Rick Van Dyke. Okay, so we've got text coming up. We'll get to those in a second. You can join the conversation, one 332 8255 We've got Cheryl, who has been waiting patiently on the lines right now. We'd like to get her on to talk about plant revitalization. Hi there, Cheryl. Hi. Well, it's a plant that a, a product that he mentioned before that will boost your plants if they're not doing good after you transplant them. And when I phone Dutch growers in Regina, of course, they don't know what they're talking about, so I don't know the name. It's called, it's called Rage Plus. Rage Plus. Yeah, it's made by the company called Dirt and Grow, mm-hmm. and, it's, and it's called Rage Plus. It's, it's like a, it, it'd be like you taking a Red Bull <laughs> before you want to go and have exams or something like that to, to, to get you pumped up and get going. And it does the same thing, but it's called Rage Plus. Okay. And it works really good to revive plants that are in trouble. And the other one that we have, Rick, is called Root Rescue, and that one helps um, just put yep. some extra roots uh, and extra nutrients down into the roots if maybe you didn't get those nutrients in when transplanting as well, too, right? Yep. Okay. Yep, that's correct. Thank you very much. Thanks, Cheryl. Take care. Bye. All right. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Okay, this is a cool text, a little bit of a challenging one. It's from Stephen Regina. So he's got a few questions about perennial beds. I have drip irrigation in the beds with a one gallon per hour dripper on plants like daylilies, two gallon per hour dripper on the shrubs like coppertinia. How long and how often do I water through the summer? How about into the fall? Do I need to do anything in particular to prepare the beds for winter? Thanks. So it's well, kind of a loaded question. Yeah. And the biggest thing is with this one is it, it depends on the makeup of your soil and how much heat there is and how and much sunlight. Sun, yep. So the biggest thing I said is take your finger, take that piece of rebar and stick it down and make sure that 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 water is getting down. So you might want to do some tests every once in a while throughout the summer in your yard and just stick it down and then adjust your irrigation accordingly. Some parts of the summer you might need more water, some parts you might need less water, right? Like at the beginning of the season we had so much water. Um, and now um, we have tons of heat so you're going to need to be watering more. So you want to make sure that the that the um, water is getting down about 6 to 8 inches at least for your perennial plants so that it can be soaking nicely nicely in there um, and then you want to water right up until freeze up with your perennials I slow down on your watering in the fall time though so instead of watering as often you'll want to slow it down because you want your plants to start going dormant you want them to start the leaves to start turning yellow on your perennials and slowing down but you still want to water a little bit because we are getting these plus 30 temperatures yeah Rick do you have anything to add to that yeah the only thing is that if you have a drip system on a lot of people just put one zone on okay and it does the whole yard and the problem with that is that you're going to have a sunny side of the yard and a shady side of the yard. Right. 
two different makeups of how much you're going to need water for. So you're going to water lots for the sunny side, but then you're going to overwater on the shady side. So you better off have two different zones if you're setting up your zones, either by manual tap or by timer or whatever, so that you, you can control your watering much better by having you know a shady zone and a sunny zone. Right. And so that's this is it, this is the information. But, Steve, it's going to basically be up to you to sort of figure out a bit yeah. of trial and error mm-hmm. what, you know, how much. So in terms of how often and how much and how long, that just depends on what's in the soil. You know, do you have mulch on top of it? Is it sunny? Yep. Is it shady? Uh, you know, has it rained a whole bunch? Is there any drainage? What, you know, is there sand underneath of it? Those are all kind of factors that, that kind of go into this, figuring this out. So it's a bit of like, well, try it for an hour a day for the first week and is that yep. too much or too little and go from there you know something something to that kind of maths right yep. exactly all right so one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. good luck steve with that uh hopefully what we you know provide you with gives you a little bit of a base start for what uh, what you got to do to figure out there okay let's go to the phone lines we got people who are showing back up here again which is fantastic and we're going to go to wadina right now in saskatchewan and talk to helen hi helen Oh, hi. I was just wondering, is it too late to fertilize my burning bush? Your yeah, burn- go ahead, Jill. Uh, yes, it is too late. You want to stop fertilizing your shrubs around the first um, second week of, of August. Um, uh-huh. You want them to start shutting down for the winter. Okay, because I didn't, I kind of neglected it for, for there for a while, and then I thought, gee, I should have fertilized it. And then I suppose now it's too late, eh? Just, yeah, don't do the fertilizer now. If you do want to use any kind of fertilizer, because it maybe you know because your the coloring is not right on your plant, you could use a little bit of bone meal around them. But that's about all I'd use around them right now. I wouldn't use twenty 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 or thirty ten ten. You're going to promote a lot of growth, and you don't want to do that right now. You want them to get ready for winter. Okay. All right. Yeah, thank you much. Take care. Bye bye, Helen. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're going to go to Hudson Bay right now as well and talk to Jonah. Hi there, Jonah. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm well, thanks. Yeah, I'm just wondering if uh, you can transplant common juniper. I have a bunch of it growing in my yard, and I'd I'd like it to be all over the perimeter of my yard. Junipers are really tough to transplant because they have what I call a stick root system. They don't have a fibrous root system like a cedar cedar does, have a nice fibrous or a spruce tree, nice fibrous root system so you can get a good root ball on them. But when you dig up a juniper, it just, all the dirt tends to fall off the roots, and then they have a really tough time. If you're going to try to move one, what you want to try to do is you want to try to uh, dig a trench around it and try to take a ball of earth with the, uh, with the, with the plants. You almost got to put a burlap around Dig a trench all around, put a burlap around the ball in the hole, and then li- get your shovel underneath it and lift it, and then move it over to where you want to move it. Best to do that is in the spring, as soon as the frost is on the ground in April. So it might be actually easier to just buy more plants that are already picked. You know, when they have machinery yep. that, that harvests these plants from the fields they grow in, yep. they, they're picked up properly with the amount of right soil and, you know, away it goes. Almost all junipers now are grown in containers. There's almost none of the spreading junipers that are growing, the common junipers are growing in, in the field anymore. Oh, okay. So it's, they're almost pretty much all grown, so there's no transplant shock. Just because it is such a tough thing for junipers to move them because of the type of root system they have. Can you can you take a cutting of one of the branches and replant, or does that yep. work? Yeah, you take a cutting, and then you have to put it into a mist system. So you take that cutting when you got the new growth happening in in basically in June, and then you take the the cutting, and then you stick it into a misting bed, uh, and then then they will root, 
and then you can transplant them that way. That that's how that's how they're they're propagated is with, okay. with cuttings. Okay, thank you. Thanks, John. Take care. one 8255 Perfect timing because we've got, well, time to go to a break. We've got lots of texts to get here. Mark in Bigger, Jan near Saskatoon, uh, Christine in Balgoni out near Regina. So we'll get to all those when we get back. Stick around. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. All right, let's get to the text line here in Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. Rick Van Dyvendyke is on the phone. He's up in uh, Emma Lake somewhere area, enjoying the pine trees and the smell. It smells amazing up there, doesn't it, Rick? Oh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. And, uh, yeah, just seeing all the birds and the, and the wildlife around and just being out here, out in the lake and went through some of the, uh, up into the third lake up here, and it's just a beautiful area. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just yeah, it's relaxing. It's, it, it really is. It totally is. You know what's amazing is if you actually, you know, geographically look at a map of Saskatchewan, you look at, you know, we always think of Prince Albert as being a northern city and the gateway to the north is what it's called, right? Prince Albert is like the geographical middle. It's quite south, actually. It is quite yeah. south, actually. You know, yeah. we, we live in the bottom half of the province. There is so much wilderness that we have that, unfortunately, you know, there's not, not a ton of roads. are some roads, but, you know, once you get past Larange, there's kind of nothing you know there's yep. there's not a lot not a lot to see but there it would be beautiful to go up there and do some wilderness hiking and things like that because it's amazing country i love that that's something that we've we've all kind of embraced with COVID a little bit is sort of exploring our own areas a little bit mm-hmm. more. And lots of people have explored all these little small hiking paths, these small towns and gone up north. And I remember some of my favorite memories, Dad, was as a kid was when you guys would take us up to the Churchill River system and we'd have to gather the moss and put it under our tent for our padding for our bed. <laughs> and uh, Ooh, that's hardcore camping. Yeah, we would. And and it was so much fun just just doing that that back back um backcountry camping as kids and making those memories in places that are sort of a little bit unchartered. So Churchill yeah. River, that's really far up there, right? That's yeah, they, we were up to, took them up to Stanley, Stanley Rapids and up to Nistoyak Falls. Some of the great, beautiful areas we oh, have. That so are just, gorgeous. Well, I call it the wonders of the world up in Nistoyak Falls. So it's just great places to see. Uh, yeah, just uh, there's so many, even Barker Island up around up by past Mosquito Rapids, so beautiful areas up there. So, yeah. Dad, do you still have it in you? Are we going to take my kids next summer? Yeah, we should. Absolutely. <laughs> That's funny. But they, they got a pool now, so they might not want to leave that. <laughs> okay, let's get to some of the text line, uh, texts, and as well, we've got a call. It's just rolled in. We'll get to the text in a moment, but we're going to go back to Wadena here today. We've got two calls from that metropolis of Wadena. We've got Melody, who's on the line. Good morning, Melody. Good morning. So what's your question for us? I am wondering about the chances of uh, keeping a Mexican cup and saucer plant over the winter. Mind you, it's huge. Or is there a way to propagate it beyond doing seed, which I'm not going to get, obviously? Is it possible to do maybe a cutting from it? Most people, they are an annual, so they um, you do have to collect the seed for them in order to, to produce them. 
Right, but it sounds like they're only pollinated by bats in Mexico. Yeah, so <laughs> so that one's a kufea. You do have to collect the seeds for them. If you wanted to try and keep it going and making a cutting off the new growth, you would need two nodes off the plant and then um, root it in some water or um, or use a use a. Um, Rooting hormone Rooting kind of hormone, thing. thank you. And dip it in that and then put in some soil and keep it moist. And then you would you would have to try and try and do it that way. But take um, off the new growth off the end, take one or two nodes off there and and do quite a few of them because you might lose some. But mm-hmm. um Kufea or cup and cost sa- saucer vine is normally harvested by seed. Okay. That's kind of what I thought, but I was So I was hoping since I didn't have the bats here that uh, yeah, you you can um, you can pollinate them um, like just yourself as well too. Right. Um, but it is one a common one that most garden centers carry every year in the bedding plant section as well too. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Thanks, Melody. Take care. Okay. Bye bye. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to go over uh, in a second here. I think we've got uh, Pat on a line as well, and Pat is going to join us to talk about Saskatoon bushes. Hi, Pat. Hi. So you want to talk about some Saskatoon berries? Yes, we had the trees, the leaves on the trees this year were all were were quite yellow spotted, like bigger yellow spots with a black spot in the middle, and it affected some of the berries. And we were just wondering what that was. Like, is there something we could do to prevent it? Yeah, most of the times when you have those spots like that, it's a, it's a sucking insect, and uh, and so you can treat that just with a, with a basically a, an insecticide. It's called pyrethrin, and uh, another What's name that? for it would be yep. But what word was that? What was the? It's what called was... it's called pyrethrin. So pyrethrin it's... or bug X out. It's called bug X out or ambush is the old name of it. Oh, ambush. Yep, yep. ambush is the old name. Bug X out. And you spray that on the trees. On, on the trees, yes, you do that. It, just not during the flowering time, okay? No, don't do it after the flowering time is the best time to do it. After the flowering. Would malathion work the same? Malathion would work the same as well, but again, not during flowering time. Oh, okay, and do it after the flowering time. Okay. That's correct. That's great. Thank you very much. Okay. You're welcome. Take care, Pat. Bye. one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Our text line, Mark in Bigger, says, I wasn't able to control the pasture sage in our unwatered lawn with PAR-3. I had to use glyphosate. Can I just sprinkle and rake grass seed, and will it grow, or would it be best to plant in the fall or the spring? Yeah, you can... You, if you do it right now, you'll still have time. We're still in, in August, the end of August here. You can still rake some grass seed in, and we're going to have some nice warm weather. So it's going to germinate in like five days. And so, yeah, you can definitely do it right now and not a problem. The trouble with that, the uh, only thing I think is that there's going to be almost no rain, right? So even, yeah. if it, even if it does germinate, you know, you almost have a good chance in the spring because we usually get some more moisture, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it all depends on whether they got water. Because if they wanted to do this kind of heat we're going to have in the next couple of weeks, uh, you have to build the water to get it to germinate. If you know how, if, if it's an area where it's dry land where you don't want, where you're not going to water it, then do it at the end of October. Yep. And then the, then the snow will come down and cover it over, and then it'll germinate with the moisture from the snow in the spring. Right, and have enough in the soil to get the yep. grass seed go, going for the summer. 
Exactly. And then we'll get some spring rains and that sort of thing too. So yep. it kind of depends on if you got water marked there or not, or if you're going to try to water it or not. So that's sort of two different, two different approaches. Yep. Okay. Jan is near Saskatoon with a text line as well and wants to know, I have thrips in my dahlias. Is there a good pesticide you can use to control them? The only thing you can use on thrips is endol. Um, it has the canola oil in it and you want to spray the top and the underside of the leaves is the best thing to do. Um, thrips are a tricky one. Again, we're working on getting some beneficial insects to you so that you can stick one of those little sachets into your pot for next season and and control them with some good insects that will kill those bad insects. Okay. All right. There you go. This is from Christine in Valgoni. Good morning. For the first time in 15 years, lily beetles have decimated my patch of Asiatic lilies. Will the lilies come back next year or will the the beetle return with it as well? Should I just dig the bulbs out this fall? What, What to do with that? They, they, they will come back. What you got to do is watch for the backside of the leaves. They'll have a little orange cluster of, of eggs. You can pick those off. Uh, with your, scrape them off with your fingernail into a little pail or something like that and get destroyed them. Or you can also spray with Bug X, bug X Out or the Ambush product. Uh, on the, but you have to spray on the underside of the leaves. And you have to do that about every 10 days during the season. So, and then you can get control of them that way. Asiatic lilies come back every year, right? Yeah, yeah they do. They're a perennial lily. That bulb doesn't have to be dug up, right? It normally nope, stays in the ground. No, right? I yeah. have heard of some people who have a really bad infestation and they do harvest their lilies and they're storing, they're, they're taking the soil off of them and moving them into a different area. But with that too, you want to make sure that they've died back down and all the stalks are gone so you don't have any of that larva left on them as well. Okay. So yes, let them go. Basically, they'll turn next year the bugs might too but if you start earlier in the spring with the bug x out or ambush you can get get on top of that yeah and just going in there with your fingers and picking them off is really important too right if you see those little egg mm-hmm. clusters you're talking yeah. about right okay one 332 8255 we're gonna keep going here uh let's see next one is sandy who's in saskatoon is there any spray that's safe to spray close to our raspberries for weeds and crack quack grass love the show she says yeah, the only thing is you can spray, like, weeds in a, in a raspberry patch is really tough. So the best way to do it is, is either pick them by hand, yep. or otherwise when you go in there just with a, with a, with a little uh, trigger nozzle sprayer so that you get really close to the plants so you're only hitting no, no leaves because the problem with raspberries, they sucker up. You know, the patch gets bigger and bigger, so it's almost no room to spray. So otherwise, then you have to just take, if you have some evasive weeds like a quack grass or a thistle or something like that, you can take a sponge brush too. Uh, with some Roundup on it, and just paint it onto the uh, onto the um, onto the leaves of the weeds, and then you're not worrying about hitting any of your raspberries. And you've also done the the gloves, so put a put a plastic glove on, for, and then put a cotton glove over top of that, and then sort of just grab them and yeah. and dip and and pull on the leaves that way. But it can't be, it shouldn't be just a plastic. Uh, well, glove. you need to get yourself a chemical a spray glove. glove. Yes, that's yeah. correct. And another thing that we've always talked about before, Rick, too, is you know when you have a raspberry patch, if you have rows of raspberries, is putting something down on the ground just in between the rows to help yep. keep keep the weeds down something that you're walking on a piece of plywood yep. right something like yep. that right even just uh even just mulching in between will keep down the annual weeds down it won't keep the aggressive weeds out like quack grass and thistles and that but it'll keep the 
the annual, uh, like if you have uh, Creeping Charlie or something like that, that'll keep all that out of there for sure. Right. Okay. Let's see. Who are the texts we got to get to still? Dorothy in Southie, uh, Lorna in Grandora, Tina in Regina, Marilyn in Foam Lake. And we're going to get to a question uh, from a call with Ian in Saskatoon. But first, news update for everybody, so stick around. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick Van Dyvendyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. All right, rolling through Garden Talk. Can't believe how fast time is going by this morning. I'm Jill with Jay and Rick. And I'm Jill. You're Jill. I'm Jay. There we go. <laughs> Jay and Jill. Jay and Jill. Rick's on the phone as well with us this morning. <laughs> we got this. If I'm totally honest, I was at a wedding last night and I was at the MC, so it was kind of a late night. So Lots of words, I bet. So I'm lucky I even can speak this morning. Right. <laughs> I was even sort of thinking like, oh, do I even have a voice? Because you do the MC stuff and then you dance all night and scream your face off. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually, that's the first screw up of the morning. There you go. Good job, Jay. I'm that's proud almost of you. two hours actually in. Actually very proud, very professional of you. <laughs> Hope you're having as much fun as we are. Uh, welcome to your Sunday morning. We've got text to get to here, so we'll go through some of those. Uh, but a bunch more have rolled in, so that's great. Uh, no. Lizzie. Sorry, go yeah, ahead, Rick. I, I just wanted to mention something that I was, I was just thinking about as, as we were in the break, is that p- people don't realize, and it's creeping up, it is really quick, that this is the last year that you're going to be able to buy Roundup in the, in, the, in, the retail formula, in the retail bottles. Okay, farmers are still going to be able to get Roundup for the farms and that kind of stuff, but you will not see Roundup on the shelves next year anymore uh, for selling it for the retail for the home gardener type person anymore. Now, Rick, and does so, that include if the retailers have any left in their stock? Will they be able to sell it next year? Will I they? believe uh, they'll, be able to, they'll be able if they still have some in the stock, but they, they will not be able to get any more from the, the suppliers anymore, the okay. retailers. So you might see so, a little bit trickling through next year, yep. but it's going to be and ending. don't forget, if yep. you do decide to stock up on Roundup, it can't freeze, right? Yeah. Yeah, you want to keep it in a place where it's not freezable, and and uh, yeah, and but otherwise, yeah, this will be the last year that you'll be able to buy the brand name Roundup. Whether some other product comes out with glyphosate, glyph- it's called, it, it, with it in it, I'm not sure. We haven't heard anything yet, but the actual Roundup uh, from the company Bear uh, Crops uh, is not going to be selling the retail Roundup anymore as of the end of this year. I actually did stock up on it a little bit already. There's just a few jugs sitting in my basement right now, just for going forward. Like I said, any, any, just remember, just read the labels of any chemical you use. I don't care what you use, uh, whether you're using your household bleach in the, in the, in the, in, the, in your, in your, underneath your kitchen sink yep. or your, your Drano or your anything else or your prescription drugs that you get from the pharmacy. Go by the instructions, go by how they're recommended to use it, and you can use it safely as long as you are safe with your products. That's the key thing, um, is just always being safe with whatever you handle. Okay, perfect. Let's do uh, some phone calls. one 332 8255 Donna in Parkbag, I think. And Donna, you out there? Good morning, Donna. Yes, yes. Hi, hi there. Good morning. What's your question for us? I have a lily patch that has been in the same, like hasn't been anything done with it for over 10 years, and I was wondering if I should dig them up and replant them. And just disturb the to- soil. Are they still blooming nicely for you? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can um, thin them out a little bit if you want to. And sometimes I will add some more bulbs to them as well. So it just depends. Sometimes the bulbs, they'll, they, um, they'll multiply over the years, especially if you have Asiatics and Orientals. They'll multiply over the years. So separating those out so that they're not so tight together will definitely um, help your patch um, thrive over the years a little bit better. Um, and then... Also, like they will multiply, but then that takes the energy away from some of the other bulbs. So you want to replenish. So getting a, a few new bulbs every so often is good to put in there as well, too. And using a, using a, there's lots of good uh, organic bulb fertilizers as well. Mm-hmm. You can add to the soil on top of around your bulb area, even if they're growing in there, just to help them re- rejuvenate and re-energize. You can do that next spring as well. Exactly. Is that something you sprinkle on or are you water with? You sprinkle on, you basically there's, there's, there's liquid ones, but most of them are granular that you sprinkle on and then you water it into the soil. Okay. Hope that helps, Donna. Thanks Thank for your call. Much. All right, take Thank care. Bye bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's go to Weyburn right now. We're looking for some plant recommendations for Ted. Good morning, uh, Ted. Good morning. So what are you looking, I'm looking for? Yeah, sorry, uh, go ahead. I'm looking for um, an ornamental type spruce, something that will grow to about six to eight feet um, for the front yard in this area here in southeast Saskatchewan. Okay, there's a couple of that you could use. One is called Sester spruce. It only grows about six feet tall, but it, it grows very slowly, okay? That would okay. work. Uh, another one is called uh, globe spruce. Uh, okay. It's a blue spruce, and it'll grow. It'll, it'll normally grows prostrate, but but it will grow up a spike. And then, but once it gets to the height you want, then you keep it trimmed at that height because otherwise it'll grow to about uh, about sixteen to twenty feet tall. Otherwise, if you just let it grow, but yeah. you can just keep you can keep it down to the whatever height you want very easy. Uh, there's another one that's called baby blue spruce. Uh, so there is a few varieties that will do well that will keep that you can keep at a lower site than than your regular Colorado spruces, which are you know 40 feet tall. Right. What's the first one again, uh, Rick? It's called Sester spruce. Sester S C E C S C S T E R. Sester S C S T E R. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna have a look for those. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks for your call. one 877 Okay, let's go to our text line here. We've got lots of those come in here. So this is uh, Lorna, who's near Grandora, Saskatchewan. The leaves have all turned brown on my spring-planted Festivus Gold 9 bark. Should I cut it back, fertilize, keep watering? What to do with it? They all turn brown. That usually probably means that it's been droughted. Um, yeah. So that, that, Otherwise, they're very tough 9 bark. So... Uh, just watch your watering, poke your soil down to about, you know, six, eight inches down the ground and make sure that there is moisture there. And, uh, and otherwise, yeah, get them, if it's dry right now, get the moisture to it and it'll pop out new leaves next spring. Yeah, okay. if it's really, really dry, you can cut it, trim it back a little bit into the into where it's not dry. So if you scrape the branches, see if there's yep. any green under there. And um, if there is green, leave it up so that it catches the snow for the winter season. And and, and nine brooks love to be trimmed, so don't be afraid. Yes. Okay. This is a cool text. Tina in Regina. I have two baby goji berry plants that I need to plant. How can I plant these without them having suckering them all over my yard? How far apart do they have to be? What do I do um, with them? Yep, within sight of each other for the bees to pollinate, right? That's the best way. Hey. Um, so otherwise, yeah, put a, a in, in the, either in an area where they can't get out, like in a place where you might have a concrete, you know, around it type of thing, like a sidewalks or something like that. Yep. You might have a planting bed there, or you can put some 
um, some um, uh, the lawn edging is too not deep enough. It only goes about four to four and a half inches. You need to you need to put something down a barrier down if you want to put in the ground uh, that is about uh, that goes down about eight to twelve inches in the ground to stop them from moving around. Uh, some people will get a great big old nursery pot, like a 25-gallon nursery pot, and they'll cut the bottom out and plant the nursery pot into the ground and then plant the goji berry or whatever you're going to use, ribbon grass, whatever's evasive to get out of there, and they'll stay inside that pot. I've been hearing that method a lot. A lot of people yep. are actually popping into the garden centers now saying, hey, do you have any old nursery pots? Because they, yep. they're wanting to do that with some of these invasive species. You, yep. you can do that. If you've got a friend who works in the industrial you know, uh, sector, there's lots of those big blue barrels, you know, they yep. use for all kinds of different products. Mm-hmm. Yep. When they're cleaned out, they, I've, my father-in-law's used those, cut them into sections that are about, you know, a foot, foot and a half, you know, yep. sort of slices and, and buried those into the ground. And they're, well, they're yep. thick plastic. They're impenetrable. So. And they're like 30 inches round type of things. So yeah, they're big. Good, good. But now one thing, if you're going to plant this fall, you will have to mulch it really heavy. Yes. Otherwise it won't survive the first winter. For that goji berry. Yes. Yeah. So it needs to be okay. in the ground soon with that with that to prevent it and and get it established well and then mulch it really heavily, right? Mulch, mulch, mulch. Mulch, mulch. Okay, let's do another text from Marilyn who's in Foam Lake. Good morning. When can I my Christmas cactus be brought up for the basement and I can transplant so I can transplant it? How to take care of it? Looking for some advice. So your Christmas cactus, you can bring it up from the basement pretty much any time. Um, usually you're wanting to, it'll take about eight, eight weeks for it to, to get into like kind of the bloom stage once you're kind of setting it up again. So get it out, water it a little bit more. Um, but remember, there's still a cactus. So you want to allow them to dry out between, between waterings. And then you can start fertilizing that with that cactus fertilizer as well, too, which will, which will help get those blooms set for you. Okay. Also, the Christmas shack is also now the time getting close to when the poinsettias. If you kept your poinsettia, yeah, and now it's the time to keep, actually keep it growing right now. But pretty soon, in about another three weeks or so, you're going to be starting to give it its twelve hours of dark and twelve hours of light, and that's complete uh, darkness. Yes. So just to be able to get them to get the nice red bracts again for the for Christmas time. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. So one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I think we're gonna take a little break here. We've got a few more texts to get to. It's the lightning round coming up next. We'll get all the texts answered as best as we can. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This is Garden Talk on nine eighty CJME and six fifty CKOM. Here we go, the lightning round on Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick, and we've got text to get to. We're going to get as many as we can answered before the end of the show. Ready to go, Rick? Yep. All right, here we go. This is Johnny in Regina. How to fix a dry patch in my front yard. The city backfilled it with gravel after fixing a water line two years ago. When they removed the gravel, it only had backfilled maybe three or four inches of topsoil. So now when it grows back every year, there's a square patch that comes in yellow. Drives me crazy, he says. Yep. So, so they, they didn't backfill it with good soil, basically. Yep. Yeah, so basically two things you can do. You can dig that area out and put some good topsoil in there, reseed it. Or what you can do is just yeah, more often you just need to add a fertilizer to that area. It's, you know, twice as more often than you did your regular lawn because you basically need nutrients, right? And so you just need to add that nutrients uh, to, the, to the soil. You can do that by, yeah, just putting on a granular fertilizer in that area twice as often as you would do to the breast area. But if otherwise, you can either top dress with a little bit of soil or or you can just dig it out and actually 
put the proper amount of soil in there. Yeah, and it probably needs a little bit more water, too, because it's got some well-drained soil underneath there with that gravel. Yeah. Okay. Hope that helps you, Johnny. Good luck with that. This is from Kyle, who's in Weyburn. What can I spray foxtail barley with? Is there anything other than glyphosate? Uh, that's a tough one. Some of the some of the other ones, like um, um, uh, your, yeah, even, no, I don't think that'll work. There's there's the iron based herbicides, but there again, it doesn't work very good on that. The glyphosates uh, or just pulling them out and making sure they don't go to seed, because once they go to seed, then they start spreading like crazy. So the biggest thing is just don't let them go to seed. Wow. And you can you can control them by pulling them that way as well. And they usually do come out in one big chunk. I, have, yep. I had, a, had a new yard for a long time and had lots of foxtails in it just naturally. That's kind of what just grew there until I actually finished my law, my yard. Uh, yep. But then you can usually kind of grab them by the, the big, you know, yep. tall grasses. You can pretty yep. much get everything out of the roots there. If, even if you get the, the, the dirt a little bit watered, you know, it'll come out mm-hmm. decently. Got to be careful with foxtails, especially if you have pets. Apparently really yep. bad for, like, dogs and stuff. They get that yep. up their, their sinuses, and it just never comes out, the seeds but and that's, stuff. But that's when they get to that seed portion, and you don't want the, or you don't want them to get to that spot, that, that stage of their cycle, because otherwise, once those seeds touch the ground, they'll start growing again, so... Gotcha. This is from Bernie in Saskatoon. I planted hollyhocks from seed and they grew great. No flowers, but three feet tall. I'd like to space them out. What's a good time to do this? So they want to move them. Hollyhocks, you want to do that when you're when they're dormant. Um, so you'll want to wait till the fall when they've died back down or the early spring. Um, also, just watch your sunlight if they're not blooming. Maybe you don't have enough sunlight, so they need to have at least eight to ten hours of sunlight, either a south or west exposure if you want them to bloom. Yeah, and also make also remember they won't bloom a lot of them won't bloom the first year so that's why a lot of the greenhouses start them indoors so they get them started way earlier so they will bloom that first year that's correct right okay uh shelly and lumsden how do i prevent mice from chewing on my lily bulbs natural solutions preferred if you can uh will cayenne pepper and water mixture work on the soil yeah, well, there's products called Bobex Out. Bobex, it's called, and there's another one that's called Skilled. Uh, you can spray those on on the ground in those areas, and that'll that'll keep them away. Or you can use just a uh, uh, just a concentrated garlic, which is a mosquito barrier also works good for those kind of things. Right, that'll keep them away too. So there are yep. there are some products in the market for Shelly for just easy, yep. you know. Safe yep. and and green solutions there. So yep. Otherwise, just put some, even put some shoe boxes with some uh, mouse traps in them with some peanut butter and craisin or raisin on top of them. The reason why you put them in a shoe box or something covered so that the birds don't get caught. Yeah, they also don't like the smell of peppermint. So if you plant some peppermint plants around there too, yep. that helps. Um, or taking some cotton balls and putting some peppermint essential oils on there and sticking that yep. in the soil. Well, can you believe it? We've made it through our texts. Wow. wow, that's like the first time it ever is. in the whole show that we've got through all of them. We got a couple minutes left, Rick. What are, you know, we, we should just talk about some things that we should be doing, kind of getting ready for this time of year. Yeah, let's remember now we're getting into with this heat coming up in the next week or so. You want to be able to keep your plants uh, watered, but just enough to keep them alive because you do want them to stress them a little bit to start shutting down. Because with this heat. If there's any fertilizer in the in the soil yet, they're going to want to push a growth out yet, and I really don't like to do that too much this time of the year. Uh, just so, so make sure that you're keeping your plants, you know, by checking the soil, making sure you keep them moist. And like we talked earlier, those container plants that you have, all those annual flowers, keep fertilizing them because they're beautiful. The, the colors, because the evenings will start to get cooler, and the colors will come out in the flowers like crazy right now. So, and then also like Jill talked about earlier, the the we see in all the stores everywhere the fall mums are out. 
So start, you know, if, you, if, you're, if you're tired of the flowers you have right now, replace them with some of the fall mums. They'll last through. They can take quite a bit of, of the cold temp, cooler temperatures uh, later on in the fall, and you have a, just a refreshing of your containers. All right. Let's go back to the text line. Marie is going to sneak one in here before the end of the show from Prince Albert. The roots of my rhubarb were disturbed by a rototiller. It came back, but the stems are now thin sticks. Is there any way to bring it back? Yeah, it'll, next year it'll it'll because it it'll it'll, it'll it sets it back because it likes moving it. Uh, next year you'll you'll they'll be better. Okay, so it's kind of just a one year kind of little yeah. hiccup, yeah. and then it'll keep going again. It'll Oops. keep going. Jay, it's back to school next week, and a lot of people are setting up their home offices and getting little dorm rooms set up. So um, house plants, remember, keeping yourself healthy indoors and taking care of those little plant babies and providing those oxygenating plants to your air inside your home. That's going to be moving into fall. And your tropical plants that maybe moved outside, um, 10 degrees is kind of where you want those nighttime temperatures to be sitting before you bring them inside. And make sure you debug them first before you bring them inside. And, too. And, so, you de- and you want to debug them a, a few times. So you want to start yes. now if you're going to bring them in in the next couple weeks. So we're going to use Endol maybe? Endol yeah. um, insecticidal soap has pyrethrin and canola oil in there. And you'll want to do that every 10 days for about three treatments. Okay, so speaking of that, I have a hibiscus. Will that just keep going, or does it take a break, or does it need... It it can keep going, but what I would suggest when you bring it in is cut it back, take off all the blooms and buds when you bring it into the house, because that will where all the bugs are going to be. Spray it down with an insecticide, and then let it grow in a nice sunny window inside your home. It's, It's like a... It's kind of funny. It's like a shrub type. It's only about yeah. a foot tall. Lots of blooms. So yeah. I can wait a little bit longer, though, right? 10 degrees oh, yeah. is your nighttime temperature. Right, so right. if you want to wait a little bit, just make sure when you bring it inside the house, if you're not going to do that kind of span time, keep it away from your other house plants because it is going to come with some spider mite and some aphids most likely on it. Okay. The last question I have actually for myself is if we have like palms or something like that, can can they survive on like artificial proper grow lights for the season yes Can they do that make sure you put them in a bright a bright window and make sure you keep your blinds open in the winter time and then supplement them with a grow light but, um, but what i'm saying is let's say i don't have the space for that because my house is full of other plants but okay. i got two palms on my deck that are beautiful that i would like rather not throw out if i put them in the basement and we like put major grow lights there can they actually stay alive? Yeah, they definitely will. And you can even cut them back and let them grow that way as well, too. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, long weekend next weekend, long right? Long weekend, yeah, yeah. September long weekend is just about here, which is crazy to think about, but that's that's what's coming up. So harvesting the garden here pretty soon, stuff Everybody's like that. back from vacation this week, back in their yards, and now it's time to sort of enjoy those last little bits of summer, this plus 30 weather, and yeah, enjoy. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Let's see you same time, same place next weekend. You've been listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.